and welcome to this episode of Tones and Drones, a podcast that speaks with musicians who work in the field of ambient music and related genres. I'm Jason Miller, your host. This podcast is produced in the studios of 91.3 FM KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas. And uh, the station can be found online at kvlu.org. Today on the program, my guest is harpist Mary Lattimore. She resides in Los Angeles, and I discovered her music um, last year. She's a very unique harpist. Um, She plays an orchestral harp, and she runs it through a multitude of effects, from reverbs and and delays, and uh, there's looping involved, and creates these really beautiful uh, soundscapes that run a gamut of emotions and moods, and um, they, they're just really, um, really riveting and very, uh, very uh, uh, lovely to, to listen to. And so, we're going to be talking about her sound and also um, and her music and the harp, of course, an instrument that's always fascinated me. She released an album this year called Silver Ladders, and we began the podcast with a song from it called Pine Trees and be featuring another selection from it uh, on the show as well. Up next, uh, my conversation with Mary Lattimore. Uh, We talk about uh, that album and also uh, a song that has a story that involves a a Wawa. Yes. And also a little talk about uh, some classic American cinema. So up next, my conversation with harpist Mary Lattimore. Here on Tones and Drones. Mary, thanks for thanks for talking to me on uh, this podcast. Sure, my pleasure. I had heard your music. That I've actually heard your music for. Uh, so I know that I've heard your music before, but it really became aware to me actually during this pandemic when you were on the best show with Tom Sharpling, who I've been a fan of for years. Back in April, I went and looked at the date when he aired. It was the beginning of April, and so um, your neighbor at the time, um, y'all did a duet on the show, right? Y'all did an improvisation. Yeah. And because um, that that and it just I just was like driving and I was just I didn't want to stop until it was over. Like I had to listen to the rest of it. Oh, it was just really it was just just right to hear. I love that. And, That's really cool. And yeah, it was great. It was like, you know, my neighbor and I um, had been playing music together and Tom just sent me a message and was like, would you guys want to be on the best show? And he came over and he brought this really long microphone Um from his car into my house, into our house and uh, recorded it. And it was, it was so much fun. It was just nice to have a little bit of um, a distraction because back then in April, it was like so many unknowns mm. with the COVID and stuff. It was just like, it felt really, really terrifying as it does now, but we know more. Yeah. Um, but it was really cool to uh, be on the best show. And I've, I've actually had a lot of people get in touch with me about that set which was a really nice surprise yeah paul sakina right yeah yeah that it it really it really it really was i and and on this show it's like i i I try to get into you know find a time when we walk into like you know the different aspects of of music 
of this kind of music that that we have a lot of different names for, but that there's a there's part of it that that has this calming effect or contemplative effect to it. And uh, and so I, I kind of just wanted to start a bit about um, about as a harpist, um, just a little bit of your background as a harpist and, and how did you um, what was the kind of the development of finding your sound where you're using a different effects and you're using it sounds like different you know really not the usual techniques to create the music that you do mm -hmm. um well i went to school in rochester new york for classical harp so okay. i was classically trained but i didn't really listen to so much classical music um and worked at record stores and stuff and worked at the college radio station in rochester at the University of Rochester, just listen to a lot of different kinds of music, but I, I mainly play, I only played classical music. And so then uh, I moved to Philly in 2005 um, and I met some people in some different bands and they asked me if I wanted to have to jam, you know? So it's like, wow, this is, this is new to have my music included, like have my uh, harp included in things that I like to listen to, you know, just like melding those two worlds was um, pretty cool and pretty new. And I would say as far as improvisation goes and like solo music, um, it was after the, after I toured with Thurston Moore for a couple years that I started to get more into improvisation and, and after I toured with him, I started to make solo records. So and mess around with effects and everything. But playing with him was a really big influence on me as far as improvisation goes. Um, I was playing with with Bill Nace and Samara Lebelski who are like very accomplished improvisers as well as Thurston and uh, John Maloney from Sunburn Hand of the Man and all those, all those friends um, who played with Thurston uh, really encouraged me to use my own brain and like just take little journeys when playing. So, um, you know, it was organic in a way going from a very structured foundation to like more of a no rules kind of playing, which is what I'm kind of doing now. It was like, what are, what are some of the effects that um, you landed on first that you wanted to use to give the harp some different textures that you could that you get improvised with? Well, I've always, um, I've always played through the Line 6 DL4, the Looper. Uh, I've been doing that forever, ever since uh, I played with for Saxa, and she was using one, and Helena Espoval, who's a beautiful cellist who plays in the band Espers. Um, she was also using one, and I was like, what would harp sound through like through this? And I had never heard a harp put through Looper before or effects at all so uh barely and so uh i was like what would it sound like so it kind of opened up a new world playing with persaxa and helena um, and then also kurt vile used a lot of that dl4 and and uh he was another kind of influenced person who you know encouraged me to play um to write parts and and stuff. So that one was my first one. I don't know. I've, I really like playing through um, 
delay and echoey sounds. I love, right now I've been, um, a friend lent me his space echo, which I've really fallen in love with. Um, Is that the one that has the tape inside? Yeah. Yeah. The heart through the yeah. It's just like divinely dreamy and strange and I'm just totally in love with it. I have, I'm going to give it back to him this week though. So I have to buy my own and they're very expensive. <laughs> and great, um, you know, like hard to find and hard to repair. So I think that's going to be my, um, my big investment of the year, probably since I'm going to be home most of the year, like probably just trying to play music and work on stuff. So yeah. I think that'll be like a cool tool that I can count off on the taxes. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I, I just remember that thing just, I, I saw one years ago and I just was, uh, it's like there's a reel to reel kind of tape. Like there's literally an analog piece of tape inside that mm -hmm. thing. And yeah, we, my cat is very confused by it. She sits on the top of it and then she's just like trying to find what's making that rhythm <laughs> noise. <laughs> she's just like very perplexed. Wow. <laughs> it's probably very warm. Uh -huh, it's warm, right? but he knows that there's something like like a ribbon, you know, cats like playing with strings and ribbons and like she knows that there's one inside of it and she can't get through it. <laughs> it it's uh, the, these, the, the, the harp, it's like the harp to me always, uh, one thing it always sounded like is that it, it sounded like, it sounds like in a way an orchestra on its own. Like it, it you know? And so it's like lending itself to music that has kind of a, a space quality or a soundscape quality uh, to it. Uh, it, it just, it, it kind of, uh, it kind of, it kind of makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. in, in a way. Um, the, and also it's always seemed like incredibly hard to play. Like, like mm -hmm. difficulty level of learning an instrument. Like, what do you say with the heart? Cause like, you know, you people would think you just, well, you just like pluck these strings in order and then you like glissando the thing, but like, there's <laughs> a lot, right? You just kind of go through, you know, I got this little bitty like lyre harp I bought, you know, like on Amazon, it was one of my pandemic, instruments I bought you know I bought a little tongue drum I'm like buying these things like I can use them and those you can just kind of like strum it down and it sounds great like right. that's all you have to do um and uh but like the harp itself always seemed a little daunting to me mm. well there are the pedals and that changes the sharps and flats so that's kind of confusing I guess a little bit um because there's seven pedals but uh there's so seven pedals one for each tone of a scale um, you know, like the C major scale. So C pedal, D pedal, E pedal, F, G, A, B. And then each pedal has a slot. Um, there's each pedal has three slots. So like the flat, natural and sharp. So you're stretch, you're tightening the string um, when you slide them into these slots. So there's just all these endless combinations of sharps and flats that you can make and like inharmonic equivalents and all that stuff. So, uh, I can see it being very confusing when you include the pedals, but as far as the strings go, like just the harp on its own without the pedals, what you were saying is kind of right. It's like, you can just strum it and it sounds pretty. It's not like, oh, it's hurting my ears or something. Or like, you know, if you're playing a trump, you're learning how to play a trumpet and you get those sort of in-between tones and like weird, weird breath tone then it might sound like, oh, this is off or something. But playing the harp is pretty simple, like tone-wise hmm. um, to get a nice sound, just like playing a piano. I mean, it's very, very similar to piano. Um, so you can, like beginners can make it sound 
sound great. You don't have to be terribly advanced to make it sound like you know what you're doing. <laughs> like Okay. Like it's tuned to like a pleasant like intervals, like scale or right yeah. or or the, just the general tuning that you're used for the orchestral the orchestral harp. Is that you? What do you refer to the larger harp as in general? I've never really known exactly what you call the, but people think of the harp that they see in in an orchestra. Yeah, like the concert harp. The concert harp. Okay. Do you play any others? Any other styles of harps? I don't. No, I wish I probably should like folk harps and stuff because they're lighter and more portable but this one is the one that I uh that I only, I only know how to play this one really how was it transporting that uh, and how is it transporting set because I mean it's one of the largest things to transport mm, I mean in, it's, not in that fun. <laughs> it's not that fun to transport it but it's also also like once you've been doing it for so many years like I have um it gets to be, you know, you get into the groove of it, it gets to be like ritualistic a little bit and, uh, you know, just routines. And, uh, you know, I see it now as my friend, less like a wooden thing that I carry. It's more like a sister or something to me. I've anthropomorphized it. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. No, I, okay. Yeah, this is at, uh, vehicle wise you have to be conscious i guess you know you have to have the right and weather and yeah. stairs and, you know there's all these factors yeah i i i was remembering i was like looking writing some notes on i think there was some portlandia episode where they were like transporting a harp yeah it's just like okay somebody's doing that they have to carry the harp around yeah. um so like so so um whenever the uh, how is the the pandemic pandemic in general and influenced um influenced your, your music now now i want to talk about the albums too but um mm -hmm. how about your your performance uh let's just say schedule um yeah what what happened to, to that as we were we're coming a year around already mary i mean it's like crazy but mm -hmm. how did how was that affected uh in last spring i mean it's <laughs> been very bleak <laughs> you know I was supposed to go out with uh Steve Gunn and and um William Tyler in late March and that tour of course got canceled but then we were trying to reschedule it and then I had a, a May Europe tour I was supposed to go and that got canceled and you know just pushing things back 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 to the point of like them just being totally canceled um yeah performance wise just have done a couple live streams. And then I did this one live stream in Oregon, which was actually a great pay gig and traveled up there with my friend, Juliana Barwick. And we both played in this, on this stage in Oregon that they had set up um, at this summer camp. It was just very vibey. It was pretty cold, but there was fog and they had made a beautiful stage with all these trees and everybody got rapid tests and tested a couple times. So it felt very safe and conscientious. Um, and so that was actually a great release. You can find that on Atlas Obscura website. Um, that was who was one of the sponsors. And that just felt like, wow, I'm, I felt like I was playing for my life somehow, like justifying my existence, <laughs> my musical existence a little bit, just like, uh, just knowing that that was probably going to be the only show for a year 
even though there was no audience there, there was still like production, green room, you know, monitor, engineer, just like people that all the parts that go into making the show were there. And just, I was just soaking it up. And when I listened back to the set, I was like, wow, I was really going for it. <laughs> you know, I was definitely like playing more, um, more deeply than I had in a very long time. So uh, yeah, but I don't know, hopefully shows will come back this year. Yeah, it's true. I know it's kind of, a, <laughs> I know, I mean, maybe, you know, summer. Yeah, no, that that's, that's awesome. When I saw that concert pop up, it just seemed like the, even the setting alone, as you described, might be something that, you know, would bring a sense of comfort and safety and yeah, it was to awesome. have that space performed for. It was awesome. Very cool. And Juliana and I got to play together, um, which was really fun and, and just take a road trip. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take, yeah. Yeah. Have you been able to travel much being in LA? No, I haven't really. I've been a couple places like Idlewild I went and then um, for Silver Letters, uh, the record that came out in October, my great friend who's a filmmaker, um, Rachel Cassells, she made a 40 minute visual score to accompany the whole record. So you can watch it on YouTube. Um, it's just like a visual accompaniment to all the songs. And we took this really great road trip to um, up to Northern California along the coast and just film there. And that was really, really beautiful and fun. Um, but that's one of the only trips and that was kind of a work trip, but was also like a, just a fun road trip to take. Yeah. Is, is your, is your family mostly on the East coast area? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're in North Carolina. I haven't seen them in a year, which is very weird, but we talk a lot on the phone and stuff. I'd read your mom, your mom's a harpist. Mm-hmm. What yeah. was, uh, what was her uh, path in, in being a, a harpist musician? She, uh, growing up in Asheville, North Carolina, she had a, she was an only child and she had a neighbor who played the harp and it's like a cool older neighbor girl. Uh, and so my mom was like, I want to be like her. And she asked my grandparents if, if she could learn how to play the harp like the neighbor. And she really took to it and she's still like a wonderful harpist and she just retired from playing with the Asheville Symphony but she was with them for many many years decades you know like since she was 25 or something she played with the Asheville Symphony wow and still you know harps are her life and one of her Christmas trees only she, she has two Christmas trees they have two Christmas trees where my parents live and it's one is only harp ornaments so it's still like, you know, her great, the harp is just her great love. And she's been teaching a lot through Zoom. She learned how to use Zoom and is teaching and having harp ensembles, like distanced, um, you know, distance playing with other harpists with masks on outside. And she's figured out a way to make it work. But uh, yeah. That's cool. The harp is still part of her life. She's still making music. Yeah. And had such a, such a, um, such a great uh you know run with that orchestra like that too that's something to be said for that you know to be able to be a, a voice in an orchestra like that the Asheville Symphony Orchestra is that a yeah um, pretty uh 
set a pretty uh it seems like a very established or i'm not familiar with the Asheville symphony are they yes it's just like you know Asheville isn't a huge it's a town in the mountains of north carolina it's not huge but it is kind of artistic and and brings a lot of tourists for the um the leaf changing season stuff like it's it's a pretty popular tourist destination and like kind of like a jewel box in the middle of the western north carolina mountains okay. um and so yeah they've had a great little orchestra there for a really long time and um yeah it's it's really lovely i think they have like a i think they have like a I, the first time I'd heard of the town in, in a way like it, it seemed to kind of connect with what you said is they have like a I think they have a really good like like very well producing public radio station there too oh really in, in, in Asheville yeah they have one that they do a lot of content that that was you know that went out farther than they did um mm -hmm. than that but that just kind of came to my mind um the uh so um you mentioned Silver Ladders, the album that you released. So was that an album that was in, and I really, I really love this album. I'm, I'm telling you, and it's just right now, I'm just, I'm mentioning the album. So people are listening. So find it, find it. You can go to Mary Lattimore, harpist.bandcamp.com. And we'll mention that as uh, plenty for everyone. Uh, Bandcamp is, has been great during this pandemic. I've, I've liked them more than I already did. Um, yeah. But, but Silver Ladders, um, was that something that was recorded, um, recorded um during the pandemic beforehand finished up during it how did the you have that album to be able to release it uh last year yeah it was it came out in october but i made it end of january last year i flew to cornwall to record with neil halstead from um slow dive sure I had this very idyllic like beautiful time 10 days recording and hanging out and uh getting to know each other and playing music together and in the studio and stuff and then I flew back to the U.S. and he mixed the record so he he spent a couple days mixing it then it got mastered uh then it was it was ready and then you know March happened like but it was always supposed to come out in October okay so we had you know we had the decision to make like ghostly the label that puts out my stuff um, we had the decision to make, do we want to put it out in October um, with no touring, you know, because touring is how I make my living, basically. And so, you know, if you put it out in a, a pandemic where you can't tour, that's the only income. The income is gone besides record sales. But, you know, before the pandemic, especially um, like record stores, record sales were down you know spotify and all all the streaming services have you know have been a real detriment to the livelihood of musicians and so um you know we can't we can't rely on streaming services to pay for our you know to supplement our tour our touring income okay and so that was a choice that we had to make like do we want to put it out with no tour to support it or do we want to wait until after the pandemic is over and save this record for happier times when i can tour um and sam at ghostly was like you know what this this record is 
it might be something that somebody might need in their life when they're going through a hard time. So, um, so we were like, okay, let's just put it out. And I think that was the best decision. Um, and I'll, I'll tour around it when this is done, just like all the other musicians will, you know, it's, it's, it's a lovely album, Mary. It's, it's, it's beautiful. They say pines sometimes either my dreams. Those are two songs that sat with me first. Uh, on that one that's a ghostly sticker on my desk i'm gonna hold up so everybody's like why aren't you doing a video podcast yet it's because i don't want to i'm sorry i've got all kinds of trinkets around me I, i'm a i'm a clutter person i've got all kinds of random star wars spaceship and, and stickers and all these little balancing guys that you kind of you know balance and they move anyway so um but i, I was like got ghostly sticker um right there in there um no i you know, it's, um, uh, I, well, it, you know, that kind of, uh, kind of talking about that, like people needing the music, you know, it's like um, on this podcast, I was trying to find a way to ask the question to get into a conversation about like thoughts about like um, this, this style of music. And, and I'm trying to get into Broadway and I don't want to start getting away from the word ambient because I don't want to put a label on something like I feel it works. At least that's just kind of my opinion. But what are your what are some of your thoughts on like on the the beneficial aspects of of the music that you make and the music that some of your friends that maybe share a, a similar um, idea about it? I mean, talk about slow dive. I mean, you know, shoegaze music has it has a shimmering quality to it. Some of it's very obviously abrasive, but then some of it that's also very dreamy too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and when you release the unicorn album, I'll pull the title of it. I, uh, unicorn catches a falling star in heaven. <laughs> when you release this song, just what are some of your thoughts on it? You know, of, of the nature of, of working in some of these music styles. I mean, come on, just really kind of instrumental music in general. Um, mm. Which, which that also is not really, I, I guess, the best thing for me to say. You mentioned Juliana Barwick, who's known for using her voice to create mm -hmm. these environments. But, but how do you feel about about the about the um, I know the benefits of 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 this music? Well, I mean, I will say like a lot of my a lot of my music I have not made specifically as calming music or as you know like I feel like a lot of the songs are about sort of nostalgic experiences or memories or heartbreak or pets dying or something, you know, like I always have little stories in the back of my mind and nothing I've ever made has been like, I'm going to make this. And so the person who listens to it feels calm, you know, that's not, right. or, or this is, this is, I'm going to make this so it can be used when people meditate or do yoga or something like that. I don't make music specifically for that, but that's the thing about instrumental music. It's like, you can't, you can't be a, a gatekeeper on how people choose to use your music or listen to it or whatever. And like, if they connect to it while they're doing anything, it's lucky, you know? Yeah. I think um, the harp has these intrinsic um, therapeutic um, ways of sounding like, tones and everything it's like a warmth that comes from the the wood of this instrument and the fingers on the wood and stuff and I think it's like you know historically therapeutic instrument you know I I uh, I'm really happy that it's helped people calm so the reason why I wrote that unicorn song was 
to try to make one a, one piece that was just to help people calm down. You know, I thought about like nurses and doctors and like that what they would want to listen to, like people who are sick, people who are anxious because of COVID and like our finances or whatever, just so much anxiety in the US and around the world right now, just like collective anxiety that I was like, okay, if people are responding to silver ladders as something that's helping them, and I didn't even intend it to, to be used for that, um, why don't I try to make a piece that somebody could chill out to? And that was, that was where that one came from. So it makes me really happy that you used it in this stressful time to, um, to listen to. Well, it's, it's a beautiful piece listening to some of your, your other albums and where there's, there's, um, there is, there's fast loops. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on. Um, there is, uh, there's, there's, there's beats going on in there. It's like, I, I guess coming at it that the music, the music, no matter really, it doesn't have to be like slow and re- relaxing, but just mm-hmm. even just the nature of the music and the, the, the space it provides and the tone and the intention can yeah. just be like a just an escape that might not be necessarily relaxing but it might just be a nice place to go and stay for a while yeah like a world like a, like little, a world yeah exactly I, I mean I used to read to like classical music and ambient music but like sometimes I was reading to ambient music or classical pieces that had a lot going on mm-hmm. you know and and uh and but it was still like you said providing that that world a little yeah. world building yeah and maybe i mean i don't do a lot of harmonic changes and a lot of my tempos are kind of like human heartbeat tempos you know sure. a little so maybe that also has to do with that like womb sounding or something like that and yeah. you know the ambient music that i listen to is like where you listen to it and and then you go back and you listen and you hear you always hear new things you know it's like the you can choose what level of attention you want to pay to it. And just hearing those new, like little surprises, like, whoa, oh yeah, those two notes are coming together. Like it, at that point or whatever, like, I don't know. You can always hear something, something new in, in it. The overtones, you mm-hmm. know, that's like, there might just be really one note going on, but if you listen to that one note that's resonating, you might hear them as much attention as you want or, like you know. Yeah. Do, do you share the stories whenever you play live? You said you had stories that inspire the songs. Do you share those or you just take, keep those to yourself? Sometimes. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I, I was just wondering because it's like the audience can build their own story, but then there's also that aspect of, of uh, people wanting to hear the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. I, I would say that I, that always, <laughs> I kind of, you know, unless it's like a live stream where I'm just playing nonstop. If I stop to talk, I do like to tell the stories of how I came up with them or what they're about. Okay, that, that's no, I, I I like that. Is there one you want to share? Is there a new song that you want to share now so people find that song? <laughs> um, <laughs> or it could be an old song. I mean, it's like I don't like to ask them specifically because like I'm just like, well, so I just <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a song. Wawa by the Ocean that I really, I think is one of my favorite songs I get to play. And that one is um, about, Wawa is like a gas station convenience store in New Jersey and Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. And um, 
it's is it giant is it giant is like it really big is it really big like uh, what like small gas station convenience stores they're known for their hoagies which are like sandwiches and okay and okay. I lived in Philly for 13 years and every summer I'd go to this beach in New Jersey called Long Beach Island um and there was a Wawa there that was like right on the ocean so I would always like right on the beach so I would change into my swimsuit get a hoagie you know go like get some fresh pineapple get some water and like take that out to the beach and just have the most beautiful beach day it was like my secret little wawa <laughs> you know it was like my secret little beach zone that i used to go to all the time The song came out on a cassette called Collected Pieces, and it's actually being pressed onto vinyl this year, 2021. So that Collected Pieces is going to come out this year on vinyl for the first time. But the song is on, on my band camp, and you can hear it. But uh, the funny thing was that like somehow Wawa found out about the song, and I was wow. featured a website called convenienstorenews.net. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that convenienstorenews.net. <laughs> I think it's csnews.net or something like that. Wow. Then Wawa sent me a care pack, like a care package out to California, of like coffee, a cooler, a t-shirt, you know, so that was really fun. Wow. See, I, I didn't know because like I'd heard about, I've heard a little bit about Wawa's before, but like we have this place called Bucky's in Texas. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's the beaver uh -huh. that, that is kind of like a beaver from an old toothpaste company called yeah, um, I know that beaver. Brusha, 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 the pan. Yeah. And I don't know how Bucky's got the rights to that. I, I don't really know. It's kind of sketchy, but, <laughs> but, but Bucky's is like large and chaotic. Yeah. Like, like not, hectic. Not the same as Bucky's. Okay. It's, small. it's like a small little, you know, they, they kind of differ in size, vary in size, but um, none are as big or as like wild as Bucky's with like tons of merchandise and stuff. Oh, so you've seen the Bucky's. You've had oh, the yeah, Bucky's I've been, experience. I've had many Bucky's. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Throughout, was in Texas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're just, whew, they, yeah, they, <laughs> they've got a lot of stuff right. Pandemic mm. Bucky's has been. Oh, has, yeah has been fun they got the mask on the beaver outside uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, cool. that's cool <laughs> you know they got that they got they got you know bucky's in in santa claus outfits were recently happening you could have a bucky christmas tree but yeah okay so the wawa is like okay but the wawa has its own uh but they seem like uh it, what you said it seems like they have like a like they're very um they're very cordial they sent you a care yeah. package of wawa stuff mm-hmm yeah it was cool <laughs> the uh expected yeah they they should play your song in the wawa yeah i mean i definitely didn't write the song to be a corporate jingle or anything like that uh -huh. it's like a very melancholy song but um but yeah turned the, out that 
no that's a that's a good story the the um um do you play other instruments too mm-hmm. like yeah. um I, I i was wondering it's because i saw some other instruments that you played and i just was uh wondering if like do you have a fascination for other instruments and if so which ones mm-hmm. which ones do you do you enjoy I, uh, I have a harmonium that I bought in the pandemic and I've been loving playing that um, through effects and pitching it down and stuff. It's been really fun. Uh, I have my grandmother's auto harp that I've been loving playing. Um, I play piano. I just got a piano from my neighbor who we were talking about before, Paul Sakina. He and his wife actually moved away they moved back to um, the Santa Cruz mountains to be with her family, but they left me their piano. So I have their piano in my apartment now, which nice. is so lovely. Um, what else? I mean, I'm trying to learn guitar all the time, but really it sounds very bad, but one, one string at a time, you know, like one note at a time, I can actually make it sound fine, but um, someday I'll learn how to play guitar. It's wow. um, I, I think it's a, uh... It's um, it's an instrument that um, it's an, I don't want to say like it's an easier instrument to play, but I think it's an instrument that's that um, you know, it's like it uh, it's it's not too it's not too bad, you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's you can get to there, you can get there. It's an instrument that has a lot of uh, a lot of hope to it, I guess. Like I said, you know, it's like I'll like teaching students on guitar. It's just like it it's you you got it and you got this you know it's just it, it's not too it's not too daunting i guess is is what i'm trying to get at you know and it's like it's you know i mean it's like it seems like everybody plays the guitar so there's this weird yeah. kind of you know aspect of that but it it's uh it can it's a friendly instrument i think maybe it's what i'm trying to get at it's a friendly instrument it'll be nice to you if you're nice to it and, okay you know nice it, to it <laughs> yeah it's nice to it you know it's done it doesn't have a lot of them don't have attitudes but they can <laughs> if you don't talk to them kindly um the uh so we got a harmonium during the pandemic and that's that's interesting you said that it's like um and i had to get one of those tongue drums i don't know their instagram was trying to like make me buy them yeah it wanted me to have it mm-hmm. they're listening all the time i bet i'm gonna start to get a an ad for one too right now <laughs> um oh you will you're gonna get one just wait and it um i like how in the ads how they they have it with reverb on it and then if somebody got it and didn't know about that they're like this thing doesn't sound as as shimmery it sounds nice it's relaxing but it doesn't it doesn't quite sound like the ad <laughs> effects not included i guess is is, is, is kind of how it, it goes though um so you enjoy picking up other instruments when the time comes okay do, do you record a lot at home i do because yeah. there's that i just was in, interested because there's this aspect of working on instrumental music or like looping like you do it's like you can artists can can work at home easier than musicians that have an ensemble all the time or require yeah. you know um right. the needs of a of a studio for whatever reason it whatever reason it's it easy yeah i got it i got it figured out yeah um the uh uh what are um what are some things that um you're working on you're working on right right now what are some things that are just kind of going through your mind musically since we started this new year Mm -hmm. 
In the new year, I uh, right now I'm writing a little bit of a score. A friend of mine has a podcast called The Memory Palace, and I'm working on a little score for a project that he's putting together. Um, so I'm writing like a theme and some chapter and chapter break songs and stuff. So working on that today. Um, I'm also making a record with this band growing and they um, there's two guys that play guitar and I've been a fan of theirs for a really long time. So uh, gonna make a record with them. We're passing stuff back and forth uh, remotely. What else? Um, Juliana and I are talking about making a duo record. Okay, with, wow. With Alex Summers, who has worked closely with Sigiros for a long time and um, and is a film composer and beautiful musician himself, but he's he would be the producer of that, which would be amazing. Um, so yeah, we're we're talking about that, and then yeah, uh, yeah just having meetings with booking agents and stuff and like trying to figure out what's going to happen next year or this year this year i know it's it's a that was an odd transition of year wasn't it i mean it, there's something i don't know it just was a different one i felt it kind of differently like it felt it was good to push that year away but it's like you push it away and then you feel like you're i felt like i was just kind of standing there and this kind of really open spot like that one's gone but i'm not necessarily like just you know just skipping into this next one mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess it's just the uncertainty that kind of lies ahead. Yeah, and every day kind of blends into the next <laughs> a little bit. So it's kind of like, whoa, where are it's disorienting. Everything is so disorienting. Um, I I enjoy on Instagram watching the movies that you that you project. <laughs> it's like that project. How's that projector been? It's like makes me want to get my projector out. Like I need to get out my projector too. And it's just awesome that you're just. Yeah, it's awesome. Stuff. I mean. It's it's a game changer. I love it. And and when our numbers were lower here, I, I had a few friends come over. I have a big screen for the yard too. And yeah. the projector works with the screen in the yard. So having movie screenings has been fun. Um, and, and you can't do it now because numbers are high, but hoping like in springtime, I can start this up again. Yeah. It's, uh, it, uh, do you, um, what's your, uh, What's your thoughts on 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 film scores? It's like a lot of ambient musicians and musicians up in that was like they like film scores because that's what you know people will go to for instrumental music a lot of times. Like you know yeah. when they hear classical music, that sounds like movie music. I mean we get that a lot here playing a classical kind of station. But um, what are what are some of your your favorite film scores or and and what are film score what a film score music instrumental music mean to you? Uh, I mean I would love 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 to make a score. I I think that's my goal for this year is to work on a score uh, at some point. I do, I mean, I, I love um, the Icelandic woman, Hildur, um, I don't remember her last name, but she she made like Joker and Chernobyl um, cellist from Iceland and her scores are just so, so beautiful. Um, and what else? I mean, a great friend of mine, Heather McIntosh, is, is making some gorgeous scores. I've played on them, a bunch of them, but um, I think she's a very talented film scorer. She's, her first film was called um, Contagion, and that has such a great score, and she's worked on a million different ones. Um, 
Alex Summers, again, is a great film composer. Um, he just did the score for the new Audrey Hepburn documentary that came out oh, yesterday wow. digitally, but it's wow. going to be on Netflix in March. And okay, that's... Yeah, I have to do a uh, version of Moon River on the harp for that too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that her version of that is just that image of her playing it on the fire skate. I mean, just right there. It's like, if you know it, it comes into your mind when you talk about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, film scoring is, a, is really uh, something I really love to do. Um, what's a uh, what's a movie that um what's a movie that you watched during all this lockdown that really uh that really struck you or that in some way uh, maybe, maybe you um, hadn't seen before I, i've been really uh digging into the Cary grant comedies on criterion um and then also his films his hitchcock films too um yeah. so on a Cary grant kick right now just because I'd never really seen any of them before. And so like, that's kind of like a nice escape is like just this like handsome man, like in the, from this other time, you know, like all these movies that he's in, he plays this kind of bachelor sort of drifter criminal or, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, just like yeah. a charmer. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is the kind of, these kind of worlds, like this feels like another romantic time that doesn't exist right now or something um so i've enjoyed that yeah hitchcock stuff in general i've been watching a lot of um a lot of like trash tv like 90 day fiance digging into that (laughs) anything that has nothing to do with like a a virus i did not want to watch contagion i don't want to see anything about like viruses or apocalypses right now nope yeah, you know. no apocalypse. Yeah, uh, the big show. This is us, uh, and I'm gonna be on this podcast talking about it. Like they brought the pandemic into the show, and I didn't have any interest in watching it anymore. Oh, yeah. Like it jumps around time, but they made that decision. That, with that. The, you know, it's like um, I, I that era. Um, just watched for the first time, uh, not Cary Grant, but Jimmy Stewart, who maybe mm-hmm. they were friends. Uh, Bill Book and Candle for the first time. Never seen oh. that '58 movie. That was oh. the one that. It. You haven't seen it? it it's um, it's uh, 1958 and it has Kim Novak. So it's like it's like Jimmy Stewart paired with her again mm-hmm. after after Vertigo. Mm, yeah. Actually, before Vertigo, I think I'm a little bit. I think it's before Vertigo. I think okay. that's what it is. It was considered Jimmy Stewart's last romantic leading role. Mm, I love him. It's his yeah. girl Friday. You got like all the Cary Grant funny stuff. He was funny. Yeah, he is funny, very funny. Like it's yeah. like you wouldn't. I don't know if he he has a rep on that, but he's he was funny. He's like witty and. What's the one that he made with um, Audrey Hepburn? It's got a good score, Charade. Mancini. Yeah, charade. Charade, yeah. Is that the one with? Uh, it's a Hitchcock. I I don't know if it's Hitchcock, but I remember it's uh, Henry Mancini did the music to it. Like yeah. I had the LP of the music. It had like a song, like this song charade that like, I think Johnny Hartman sang it at one point in time, but it was like, it had a vocal, but Henry Mancini did the score to it. Yeah. It's been a while. It's good. I just watched it the other day. It's, it's very good. It's good. Yeah, that's one. I got to put that on like the movie 
re revisit list. Yeah. Um, Kerry Grant, did he play Cole Porter too? Or was that Gregory Peck and the Cole Porter story? Because I know, uh, I think it was, it's uh, Cole Porter's story, 19, oh, it's giving me like, oh, 1946. That seems like a long time ago for that one. Uh, yeah, it was Cary Grant. It was called Night and Day. Oh, okay. He played it. He played Cole Porter in the movie Night and Day. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's been a while since I've seen it. I used to be a fan of um, when we just watched regular TV. I used to like Turner Classic Movies a whole oh, lot. Yeah. But it's, I don't know if there's, I don't know what regular TV is like anymore. So. I know. I know. I tried to get the app, but then it's, it said it was, um, only available if you had a cable if you had cable or something like that it was like complicated to get the app so i don't um, know yeah it's maybe somewhere i ran into the same thing before where it's like i had to upgrade something to be able to watch that app and i'm like that just yeah that sounds like i'm gonna get a lot of other stuff <laughs> extra that i don't want like a bunch of channels or something they'll throw in um and, and everything of, of that nature um the uh, uh where are some places uh, that that people can find your music. We talked about Bandcamp, and so I've, we should mention that again for sure. Um, and do you have like right now? Does Bandcamp have most of your discography at Mary Lattimore Harpist.bandcamp.com? Yeah, I have everything um, digitally. If not, if the other stuff sold out, um, what else? Uh, you can find it on all the streaming stuff. But Ghostly.com is the label that puts out my records, my solo records. Um, I've had a couple of duo records come out on three lobed recordings uh, and their band camp has, has those. But um, yeah, I think it's three lobed recordings.bandcamp.com. And yeah. Yeah, that would just, I, just, I just want people that are listening just uh, go and and find find the music and you mentioned something earlier about the digital and it it, mm -hmm. it it really is a shame that the formats are are, are going are going away but um i'm hopeful that that they'll they'll maintain or they'll maybe there'll be a resurgence of them at some point in time people craving to have music to own music tangibly right yeah, yeah it's fun to have a collection yeah yeah it, it it's uh do you collect do you collect music in that way yeah, it's uh, yeah, me too. I've got, I've got uh, a bunch of CDs back here. It's, oh yeah! Whoa, damn, you have a bunch. And there's a lot. Wow. There's a whole lot. Yeah, I had to. Um, <laughs> the 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 sickness part of it, Mary, is that this is all mine. That there was no more room, and it had to show up in the office. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens. If I wasn't at a radio station, it'd be a major problem. <laughs> <laughs> unless i was in some corporate executive office where i was like this is that you were making widgets but this is my music collection here you can deal with it listen to it what would you like to find let's look for something um probably most of these i bought them for one song but that's okay yeah it doesn't matter that was the 90s just you know you got the song and some filler thrown in and some of that filler is pretty good um but yeah, okay, that's good. What what do you like to uh what formats do you do you like to play in the house? I mean, I just have record collection 
Um, and then I have cassettes too that I play in the kitchen. Um, yeah, basically those. Yeah, that's nice. The compact cassette's a great invention. Like yeah. I think it's one of I think it's one of the the best. I I I don't have anything. Well, I have something to play them on. I have a little Marantz machine, but it's kind of for music. So it's mostly just to take cassettes and turn them down to half speed. But but um, I don't have like a, a cassette deck anymore. And it's like, I, I really want one. I've got a broken one over here that needs to be fixed. I have it on the shelf and I'm maybe we can take it apart and try to fix it. But I miss cassettes because I, I try to keep as many as I could because they're just, they're great. Yeah. Like you couldn't, um, it was, you couldn't ride your bike with a disc man, you know? It was terrible. Uh huh. It was a terrible idea. Um, and there's something to be said for it being a complete album. You know, it, it's it's uh, uh, as it in an order that it was meant to be. Yeah. Something about something about that kind of that kind of sequencing to it. Um, you know, to to that. Um, the uh, you know, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for talking. Yeah, thanks for asking me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it. Um, I'm, I'm glad we we're able to talk, and and you're welcome back anytime. I I really want this to be kind of a place that that just is like a a podcast with just conversations that can can be revisited, or you know mm -hmm. anything that you want to talk about specifically, or you know hopefully whenever um, uh, touring can can go on, you know, mm -hmm. and things like that. So yeah. Well, thank you. It was really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. You too. Thanks again to my guest on this episode of the podcast, Harpist Mary Lattimore. You can find her music at her Bandcamp site, which is marylattimoreharpist.bandcamp.com. Also, her website is marylattimore.net. Her last name is spelled L-A-T-T-I-M-O-R-E. We also featured an excerpt from her composition, A Unicorn Catches a Falling Star in Heaven, and also from the album Collected Pieces, the song Wawa by the Ocean. We're going to close this episode of the podcast with another selection from Mary Lattimore's album Silver Ladders, going to hear the title song. I'd like to remind you that Tones and Drones is available on all the major podcasting platforms, and it is produced in the studios of 91.3 FM Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas. I'm Jason Miller, your host. You can find out more about the station at kvlu.org. And join me again for another episode of Tones and Drones. May music bring you peace and joy.